This is Jeremy and Eric here with Bucket Talk, powered by Brunt. This week we're here with Garrett. Garrett is known for his building, and he goes by the name of Life of Bub. But before we get into it, Eric, what's been going on? So obviously work's been crazy with all things Brunt, but weekends and, and free time has been more focused on family my wife's dad's been down living with us for a little bit, had some time in the hospital, and he lives alone, so he's down with us. And we got two kids, and now my wife's father, and we're crammed in a house that doesn't have enough bedrooms for everyone. <laughs> and so we're starting to figure out what the next phase of life is going to look like. I wish I could have someone like Life of Bubs build my house, but that's not on the cards these days. So figuring out... Uh, we need to start looking to move and some new options because pretty tight living quarters right now. So not the most exciting <laughs> update, but that's what I've been dealing with. <laughs> For me, it's been uh, family focused as well. Lucy just entered into her first horse show. She's six now. Ooh. And uh, she had a lead line horse show the other day. And she goes, I'm going to win a ribbon. I was like, okay. And I, I didn't know how these things work. So I, I show up at the farm the other day and you know, all the girls are out there riding around and doing the whole thing. And then we get to Lucy's competition and she's the only one. <laughs> so I was like, she won. Sweet. Not only did she win, she got first in three different classes. <laughs> and so she came home like beaming ear to ear. She's like, dad, I knew I was going to get it. And I didn't have the heart to tell her that, that she was the only one in the class. But the work up to it, I mean, honestly, we... You know, we get up in the morning, we got to do all the chores to get out, like, for a Saturday show. We load up the horse. Lucy's dressed up, like, head to toe, like, riding apparel. You know, the horses come out and everything. And then it's, like, I, I don't want to tell the girl, but it's it's completely anticlimactic <laughs> as a parent. Like, we're, <laughs> we do all this work, bring her down there. Somebody walks her around the ring with a lead line. And she gets like, a ribbon. She gets a ribbon. But, you know, it made her day, so I, I was pretty stoked about that. And, uh, you know, I guess that's that's the horse life now. So, But anyway, <laughs> now, <laughs> now that we're in Maine, and it's good to host a Mainer here, and I'm looking into getting into the show with Garrett. Awesome, awesome. This is Bucket Talk, a weekly podcast for people who work in the trades and construction that aren't just trying to survive, but have the ambition and desire to thrive. The opportunity in the trades and construction is absolutely ridiculous right now. So if you're hungry, it's time to eat. We discuss what it takes to rise from the bottom to the top with people who are well on their way and roll up their sleeves every single day. All right, today on this episode of Bucket Talk, we're here with Garrett, also known the life of Bub by his Instagram handle. Welcome, Garrett. Yeah, what's up, guys? Nothing much. We want to get down to uh, figure out what the hell you do during the day. <laughs> <laughs> Too much. Take us back. I want to go way back. How, how the hell did you get into the building trade? I had an uncle that was super blue collar. He built houses. His stepfather was like a real estate developer. And pretty much when he was a young cat, he was handed a bunch of money to be like, hey, what can you do with this? And he did a lot with it and became very successful. So he just bought a bunch of land and was constantly building houses. I come from a really not blue collar family, I'll say. So my dad was a businessman. My mother was kind of a businesswoman. 
not a lot of people did blue collar stuff in my family. Like my brother, love him to pieces, but you know, he probably couldn't swing a hammer very well today. So I was just always like really like infatuated and I kind of envied my uncle. He was an uncle at like 12. So when I was young, he wasn't even that old. He was like in his early twenties. He always had, you know, the nice, you know, the Chevys were awesome back then, the square bodies and what, what? And he just like, I don't know. He just always really appealed to me. So school was never for me ever, like ever, like from early age to high school, I just graduated. I needed to get a 70 or higher on an algebra final to graduate high school. And I got a 72. Once I got out of high school, man, I just knew that like I had kind of dabbled in stuff with my uncle in the summers. And, and I just really liked working with my hands. I have crazy ADHD. I'm really hyper. I got a lot of energy. So like being in the trades was kind of just, I, I was just born to, to do it. Once I got out of high school, I took a year off completely, just wasted a year, you know, like drank my face off, got super bad in drugs, worked like a pizza delivery job. And here and there, I was working for my uncle. When I would go broke, I would go down and help him out here and there and make some cash. So it wasn't until I was like 19 when I really tried college. After that year, I took off. And after two months of college, I was like, school is just not for me. I can't sit down in a classroom. I'm not going to be a businessman. I can't test well. So I just dropped out of college. I withdrew from all my classes and I dove into the trades and just started working with my uncle. And now I'm, I'm 34. I've been doing this for almost 16 years now. And, you know, I worked for him for a while. And then we had a falling out because working for family can suck. <laughs> and after I stopped working for him, I went and worked for a company out of Portland, Maine for a while and had some kind of shitty jobs in between there. I just always really struggled. I had my demons. I, I battled alcoholism and drug addiction. And well, the whole reason I stopped working for my uncle is because of my addiction problems. That's kind of why we had our falling out. Once I stopped working for him, I just struggled to keep jobs because, you know, I always party too hard on the weekends and maybe I'd show up on Monday. Maybe I wouldn't. And then finally do at like 26. I just said, I was really quick to make decisions when I was not sober. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I'm done making people money. I'm going to start my own business. And, you know, I had like no work lined up and <laughs> barely had any tools because I was always working for others that had the tools I needed. And I just dove into it, man. And here I am like 34 years old, almost coming to a close on my six year in business. I'm, I'm almost four years sober and things are just absolutely incredible. And business is booming. I, I landed my first custom home and it's a huge job and it's keeping me real busy. And I'm just like super grateful today. And I'm glad that like I can wake up every day and I get to go face challenges in the blue collar world, man. I, I couldn't imagine any, any other way, to be honest. You're frame to finish. You're from the foundation up. That's what you do now. How long have you been doing that? Or have you just been a framer all the way up until a certain point? Or have you always been doing all of it. My uncle built houses and I kind of watched all the guys. I was there. I was a laborer, you know, handing rafters up and handing sheets of plywood up. And, you know, we weren't using lulls and stuff like we are. I know it wasn't that long ago, but really that I feel like machinery just came into the framing world not that long ago. So, you know, I was just the guy getting everybody everything except 
I always wanted to understand what I was handing them. I'm like, okay, they just cut this and now I'm handing it. Like, what are they doing with it? And then I would watch that. And then I'm like, okay, I just handed them this sheet of plywood. And then I'd watch that. And, you know, I feel like a lot of younger kids nowadays do not have that mindset. They're just ready to make a paycheck and they don't give a shit what they're handing. They just want to get through the day. And that was not me. From I knew like if I was going to make a living doing this, I wanted to excel. I wanted to be better. I wanted to have a skill set. And so framing did that for a while and then kind of was like, hey, why don't we work on trim together on this house? So he had me knock out some baseboard and then I did baseboard. And then he's like, hey, why don't I show you how to do door trim? And then he, I did door trim. So by the end of it, working for my uncle, I was doing a lot of finish work. I really liked finish work. And uh, when I worked for that company in Portland, it was pretty much just strictly kitchens and bathrooms. So when I went on my own, I kind of got into renovations, doing additions, renovations, kitchens, bathrooms, decks, you know, whatever. Anytime I landed an addition, I got really excited because I got to frame. And, you know, the last two years when I decided to build my wife and I our house, I, I started building it and I was just like, it just brought me back and made me realize that I really, I really enjoy doing everything from the ground up. Like I love seeing a pile of dirt turn into a foundation. I love seeing a foundation turn into a house and I just love finishing it. So it's like, once I did my house, I just blew it up on Instagram because I really wanted to get my name out there. I wanted people to know that I could do this stuff because a lot of people didn't realize, you know, they just saw me on Instagram as a guy doing renovations and decks and they didn't realize that I could build a house. I watched my brother-in-law go from, you know, come over off the boat from Ireland and he was a young framer, carpentry by trade and worked in New York. You know, th that's all they did was just frame, frame, frame. And his older brothers were finished carpenters and, you know, they had years on them, but they were building these like ornate bars and everything like that. But long story short, essentially when he started to do side work, that's what he did was like, decks and he loved doing decks because i mean it was easy for a framer to translate because it's essentially more framing it's just exterior and, and then his progression from there was the same to go to you know doing bathrooms doing remodels cabinets stuff like that and yeah now he and my sister are, are essentially building houses it's amazing that you can get this skill set you can watch all of your subs all the laborers everybody on the job site and and get those connections and then as you progress i mean the natural progression is to be a builder to be honest with you Right. I was at lunch yesterday with my sales guy at Hammond Lumber. We had to go over the framing package one last time because we're getting ready to frame the custom that I'm building. He's like, you just need to be a general contractor. And I'm like, well, I am a general contractor. He's like, yeah, but you need to put your tool belt down. And I'm like, dude, I can't do it. I'm only 34. There's nothing more I love than throwing on my Diamondback tool belt. Diamondback shout out right there. And just working, man. We broke ground on this custom home at the end of May. It was pretty much a mountain. So we had to blast it. And we've literally been four months of site work. And it's like... Every day I'm on site, I'm talking to my site guy, I'm getting electricians there, digging trenches. I just like, there's so much communication to make sure everything goes right. And it's like, I come home at night and after eight hours of talking to people, I'm more tired <laughs> than I am if I would just throw my tool belt on and swing a hammer. I feel like that's what kind of separates me from others because I'm not just the guy showing up with a polo shirt on saying, yeah, this guy's going to frame this and pointing fingers. Like, I'm going to be like, yeah, this guy's going to do that because it's me that's going to do it. And here I am, like, not only am I getting everything gathered from 
nothing and bringing it all to the framing stage. Like I'm going to be the one framing it. I'm going to be the one doing the finishes. I'm going to be here on site managing the job site while actually giving you a product. And I feel like a lot of builders don't do that anymore. They just sub out everything. And, you know, whether they're loyal subs or they're good subs, who knows, but I feel like they're always just chasing like, oh, the next guy will get that. Oh, messed that one up. Next guy will get it. But I don't want to be that builder. I'm on site every day. Like I was there with the plumbers the other day, running spring lines, making sure walls are where they're supposed to be because we had to run pipes that were in a concrete floor. Guess what? Once the floor is poured, there's concrete poured around pipes that are underground. So it's like, they need to be exact. And guess who's going to be framing that wall where those pipes are supposed to go into? Me. So it's like, I feel like that is, I don't know. I feel like it sets me apart, which is cool. Well, it it is awesome because if you follow anybody on Instagram, TikTok, whatever, you're going to see the trade memes and you'll see you know, the plumber that cut through all the studs to run his plumbing. I mean, that stuff's funny because it resonates with us, but it's true to orchestrate that whole thing from top to bottom, to have drywallers not cover over, you know, electrical outlets for, you know, everything to work in unison. It it takes a lot and it takes a lot of trust in your subs. It's wild. It's like you're conducting your own house, you know, and some people, well, they're fly-by-night builders and they do it half-assed, but there's other people that are, you know, involved in every step of the way. And it sounds like you are and it's good to see. Dude, I was just talking to some friends of ours and I won't name drop, but it's a, it's a company out of Westbrook, Maine. There's several companies, so no one's going to be able to pick it, but they had a house built by them and they built them the wrong house. Really? Ooh. And when they like, realized it they're like well if you don't want it we'll just sell to somebody else like they just don't care like i'm like that's that's horrendous how can you run a business and be like that that's just like appalling man (laughs) well for those who don't know me and garrett have met he came up to my farm which is like a mess and came to advise me on the next steps of building and what have you. But I think I shared the story with them and I'll share it with our listeners is the fact that, so we built a house in Massachusetts prior to us up and leaving on our new journey of farm life. But you're right. We had an old house that we were kind of restoring. And as you know, with chimneys, they go from first floor through the second floor out the roof. The architect didn't project or draw up or whatever the hell you want to call it the chimney in the second floor. So, you know, he had the fireplace on the first floor, didn't have it on the second floor. It was a hallway and, you know, came out the roof. So by the time you were framing, we realized that we actually had to take the chimney down because that was the cheaper of the two options. And it was like, how the heck did you miss this? It's unbelievable. So attention to detail, a hundred percent is like, I mean, you got to have all your ducks in a row. Yeah. Totally. This one I'm building is super, super detailed. It's a really modern home and there's just a tremendous amount of stuff going on. It's a lot. And it's like, I'm staring at the plans, you know, trying to make sure nothing, that everything goes as smooth as possible. Once my buddy, um, my buddy, Ben Morin, he's on Instagram. He's a phenomenal framer um, and carpenter. Him and his crew are actually joining me on the frame, but he's pushing on me because I'm the GC. So I'm making sure that toilets aren't landing where a joist is supposed to be and like just making sure that when he shows up because he's going to mean business and we're going to just fly it's a lot i've I've always general contract all my jobs so like bathroom renovations i have all my subs but those are smaller scale like i'm looking at this job it's way bigger scale 
but it's a bunch of small jobs combined into one to make a big job. So I'm just trying to kind of think of it like that, but it's a lot. It's you know my first custom home and I'm in the millions. This is a very expensive house. So it's pretty cool about your area. And I can't speak to the rest of the United States because I haven't ventured too far out, but Jeremy hasn't lived master man. <laughs> There's no need to. <laughs> and he, he jumps states in between. <laughs> But for people that don't know, I mean, for you to be a builder in your area, you have rural camps, right? You have Seacoast, Maine, which has like some of the the wealthiest and the most famous, right? And then you have everything in between. So you could go from, you know, building an A-frame cabin on 60 acres of hunting property, right? To building a, you know... 7,000 square foot house on the ocean. You know what I mean? The amount of skill and the skill set that you need to have and be diverse is amazing. Yeah. And I mean, it's proven facts too. Like in New England, we just build better. I'm going to get a lot of hate for that, but we do, dude. New England, we are some of the best carpenters in the United States. It's a proven fact. (laughs) There you go. Since the pilgrims, right? It is. It's crazy because I mean, don't get me wrong. Did you go to California? They got, they're like earthquake country. They got to do some crazy ass shit on building homes. But like people see stuff from us, New Englanders, like especially Maine and they see what we're doing and they're like, why are you doing that? And I'm like, cause that's how we do it. Like there's another way to do it. It's so like common knowledge to me, but some people are just like blown away. They're like strapping dude. You know how many people don't strap throughout the United States? We're like one of the only places that does strapping on ceilings. A lot of people just connect sheetrock right to trusses. Right. Plus there's a lot of old houses out here. I mean, a lot of the places in the United States, it's newer construction, but like my house is from the 1790s. Like, I mean, it, it, and and we're thinking about saving it and people are coming over and they understand the timber framing and, and all of it that went into it. And they're like, yeah, we can do this or we can do that. And other people throughout the United States may have not seen that, you know? I had a bunch of people asking me why there wasn't any rebar on the floor on the custom that I'm building right now. And I'm like, well, it's not a slab. If it was, a, you know, just a slab and it, I was going to build a house on it, there'd be rebar, but it's like, you know, I had like three Californians like reach out. They're like, why are you putting rebar on that floor? I'm like, dude, I don't live in earthquake country. Like (laughs) (laughs) it's going to be okay. (laughs) Yeah. But I put this frost wall shit on the side here because you guys don't (laughs) even know what the hell that is. I know. And that was another thing. People are like, why are you building a wall if it's slab on gray? And I'm like, because it's frost protection. We have two and a half feet of frost in the dead of winter. (laughs) 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 So it's, it's cool to see how other people do it all over it, but there's just so much flack that you get on Instagram. Once you have a following, it's just like, man, you just get some shit sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep. No, no. So one of the questions we always like to ask is you're a seasoned veteran at the ripe old age of 34. When you were getting into this, even with your uncle, even in the early start where it was rough, What's the number one thing you know now that you would wish you knew earlier on in your career when you get into this building kind of world? I actually did a post on this. It kind of goes more towards my personal life. Like I, my uncle was a party animal and everybody that worked for him was a party animal. So at like a young age, I saw guys just, you know, three o'clock came and it was cleanup time and they were drinking. And I was like, oh, this is cool. And I took on to that like real quick. And it brought me to a dark place, man. I, I wish that some of those guys had 
told me that, you know, they had three marriages and they don't see their kids. One of the cut guys on the framing crew was on his like fifth OUI and he was still driving a truck drunk. And, you know, I was young and I didn't understand, but that's just like crazy to me now. And, and where it brought me, um, you know, at the age of 30, if I had kept going the way I was going, I probably wouldn't be on this podcast talking to you guys right now. So I guess I wish people had just been a little more honest with me and been like, Hey man, be careful with that. Cause you know, I started drinking at a young age, but as soon as I was 18, that's all I look for. My uncle would always give me shit. He would say, Garrett's awesome from Wednesday to Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> and then Friday, my mind was out the door because I was planning on what I was going to do for the weekend. So it's like, you know, party all weekend, wake up, hungover as shit on Monday, kind of coming out of it on Tuesday, feeling pretty good on Wednesday, feeling really good Thursday. And then Friday, you know, it was just like a, it, I had drugs involved too. So I feel like that kind of brings you to a quicker halt of things. You know, I really, I, I don't care about talking about it. I talk about it all the time. I really liked Coke. I was doing a ton of cocaine by the time I was 30 and, you know, I overdosed twice. And, you know, if I hadn't gone to rehab and gotten the help I had, I, I don't know, I guess just, you know, to like any young guys, I get a lot of people reaching out. It's like, don't think that's the life. To speak to that too, is I think that's like one of the negative sides of trade work sometimes is the fact that you get into this group and, you know, everybody's going out for beers on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And, you know, for some it's fine for others, you know, it can become a problem and you see it. And it's definitely something that you need to navigate at a young age and be able to handle yourself. And you got to look out for you. Don't let the pressure get to you. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Yeah, man. I mean, it wasn't even much pressure, dude. It was just, I remember like being like 15, they're like smoking a doobie and they're like, here, you want some of this? And I'm like, okay, like, I'm like <laughs> sure. And then, you know, the next thing I know, I'm 16 and I'm smoking pot every day. And it's just like, I didn't realize how much this stuff was like affecting my mindset and all of it until I cleared up my mind and I got sober. And I mean, I literally, I'm living proof of what sobriety can do for someone if you have a problem and you decide that you want to get rid of it. Cause it's like, dude, I wouldn't be standing on my front porch on the house that I built talking to you guys right now. If I wasn't sober, this is like the stuff that I dreamed about. Like I sat on a bar stool at two, two o'clock on a Tuesday being like, Oh yeah, I'm real busy. You know? And I, and I had, I had no work and no money in my pocket, but I was at a bar drunk. So it's like, I'm living the stuff that I used to pretend to live. Yeah, we had touched base on that, you know, last time we had met. And you had said that your ambitions and your dreams have actually become a reality now that your mind is clear and, and the focus is on your family and your career. Yep. So that's, you know, awesome. kudos to you for uh, finding your way at the ripe old age of 34. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I barely remember my 30th birthday, but it's like to think about half my life was party like you know and it's been hard to do things i used to love to sit around a fire drink beer i didn't care if there was 10 people with me 20 people or i was by myself i would have a good time and it's like it's hard for me to sit around a fire now by myself man like but it's weird that I, i've had to change everything I, I had to change the people i hang around i took all the energy that i used to put into partying and i put it into my business i mean some people were workaholic including my wife but you know, our, our bills are paid. We have limited debt. I built this a house. Business is good. I think I could be worse things. I could just not be here because that's the way I was going. So <laughs> shifting focus. That's that's the way you got to coin it. I shifted no. focus from one thing to another. Right. Totally, man. 
what showed me my worth. I talk about this a lot on Instagram too. It's like, you got to know your worth. And I didn't really know it when I wasn't sober. I was a yes man, you know? Yep. 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 Oh yeah. You need me to do that cheaper. Okay. No problem. Oh, I just won't make money on this job, you know? And now it's like, I know my worth. I know my skill set. I know what I'm going to bring to the table. So it, it helps a lot. No, it helps to have a business. There's a few successful people that have seen the depths. There's a guy, Grant Cardone, that, uh, He's kind of flashy. He's kind of obnoxious, but he's got a jet. He's a real estate guy, but he was like in the depths of hell when he was like 19, completely addicted to drugs. And then he went to rehab and he pivoted like his addiction now is his work. Right. So he probably, you know, starts scratching his neck and get in all of a sudden he's like, he just goes to work. He works probably way too much, (laughs) but it's like, he turned it into work. And now he's like, you know, he's a speaker and He's got a G7 jet and all these, all this real estate. If you turn that into like something positive to some degree, some people would say you're working your life way, but it's like better than being dead, you know? Right. And if you like what you do, then it's not really work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I like what I do. I, exactly. I don't like it. I love it. So yeah, it makes yeah. it easy. <laughs> no, you, you do what you love for a living. You never work a day in your life. Yeah, no. And it's true. I mean, I couldn't imagine doing anything else, man. It's, it's the way, it's, it's the way. Yeah. So outside of everything, like I I know that you don't do the partying and whatever, but like, how do you unwind, man? What do you do? Fishing, hunting, skydiving, whatever. Yeah. I like to fish and I like to hunt. I didn't get a chance to fish this year as pathetic as it is. I live on a pond and I have a kayak (laughs) (laughs) and I didn't go out fishing. So, but yeah, no, I like to fish. I I, I duck hunt. I'm like pretty serious duck hunter. Actually next week, my framer Ben had to push me off a week to clear up some other stuff. So he's just on my site, not having to worry about anything else. My brother and my brother's got a boat with a built-in blind and he's got two black labs that are like, you know, purebred black labs that came from like crazy hunting blood so they're like really well trained so yeah looking forward to it dude i actually have not duck hunted since i got sober so this will be the first time in four years like i said dude i turned into a workaholic i have no hobbies <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, when I, I, I think the first mainer that i i met when i came up from massachusetts they looked at me sideways they're like you haven't entered the moose lottery and i was like no <laughs> i gotta do it next year but i guess that's a big thing up in maine to get a moose tag and and go out there yeah, man. I mean, they called the moose lottery for a reason too. It is like hitting the lottery because there's a lot of people that put in for it, you know? Yeah. And it all depends on the area you get to, you know, you might not get a good area. So like people are serious about that. I've actually never got a moose before. Never yeah, been told. I haven't shot anything other than a tree. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like a weird hunter. So like my brother is like, I will kill anything and I will eat it. And <laughs> I'm kind of like, I like to shoot ducks. Ducks taste good. I like ducks, but like deer, man, I've never been deer hunting. I have a hard time. Like we got deer around here. I got a little family of deer. They're like safe in the woods here. Like I'm not hunting them, you know, no hunting on my land. And it's like, I don't know, man. I don't know if I could kill one. If it was like a 12 point buck and it was like <laughs> staring right at me, I could probably shoot it. But like, I'm not a, I'm not a meat hunter. I'm not going to go out and shoot like a hundred pound doe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because, you know, all I've done is put rounds on target, talk about how I'm going to go hunting this year. I think I went out, actually, me and Eric went out. We went out turkey hunting up in Maine. A, a buddy of mine took us well, to a field. Hunt. Did you hunt? Did you have a gun? I had a I gun. Didn't have a gun you didn't have a gun. <laughs> I was just fucking hanging out. I was like, we went and watched someone turkey hunt. <laughs> yeah, he, was, he, was, he was making calls in the woods. We sat out there for about six hours. I had to take a shit in the woods. And then it was like, all right, we're going back. 
And that was it. There was like, there was nothing. And then, I don't know. I guess it was six hours away, you know, just to clear your mind, I guess. Have you been heater hunting? Have you been up like north driving the gravel roads and going hunting for partridge? No. No, no, oh, no. See, that, that's fun. So you, you, you're in your truck, right? You're out on the roads and then you wait till you come across partridge and, and you shoot it out of the truck or do you have to get out? No, you have to get out of the truck and maybe no, right? you got to get out of the truck. You can't have a gun loaded in the truck. You have your ammo ready. You friggin' open the door, step foot on the gravel, put your ammo in and then boom, shoot it. My favorite is the videos of the game warden popping out of the brush as you're getting out of the truck with your gun. And he's like, you got around there? <laughs> they're like, they'll yeah, get yeah. you right there. Roadside. They're like, no. <laughs> like, that's a big, that's my fake, fake cartridge right there. That's string to his leg. But that's a problem up there. I mean, people just shoot from their truck. I mean, I, it's a problem everywhere, but mainly in the northern states and the hunting states is literally they'll, they'll bait. Well, when we go ATVing, which by the way, I love ATVing. We see so many damn, if you're the lead, yeah. the amount of partridge you see on these trails is insane. Um, like Maybe just, we should bring guns next time. <laughs> I think one of us had a gun last time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my uncle had a camp up in Greenville. We used to go up the first of season, like right around this time for like a week or two and just go out here hunting every day and then just party it up. It was always a good time. Partridge hunting is super fun. And then if you don't get anything, you still get to like drive around out the wilderness and, you know, get down some sketchy roads with your truck. It's fun. Yeah. Yep. So this is kind of my last question as we kind of wrap it up. But I know the answer to the question. I really want you to explain why, because it's actually pretty cool. But the number one tool that you rely on, you had mentioned it before about your belt. But tell everybody about how simple your tool belt is compared to guys nowadays well i have I, I don't have one tool belt i have <laughs> several but yeah i have an acrobus leather tool belt right now and it's got like a mini pouch on my non-dominant side on my left side i'm right-handed and that just kind of holds my speed square a couple bits and you know whatever fastener i'm using and then i have a sleeve like a sheath on my right side that just holds my hammer a knife my tape and it's it's pretty sweet i'm not a big leather guy i used to rock occidental a lot but that's a good slim setup for doing small tasks like if i'm ever you know like framing i don't think i could use that framing but i have like every diamondback tool belt that you can possibly think of i am an ambassador for them so i have a lot from them <laughs> and so so i can always just like make frankensteins I'm like yeah, i'm gonna use this eagle pouch and put this weird pouch on this side today and i'm like oh this is pretty nice but typically i'm either walking my grande setup which has got big pouches i have big hands so it's nice for me to have big pouches. I would like to try the Acrobus, some of his leather pouches, but I'm just worried they're gonna be too heavy. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And I'm skinny, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like six foot six, like 125 pounds soaking wet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jeremy's the opposite. <laughs> Four yeah, foot no, five. <laughs> 660 pounds. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'm still fascinated by the sheath versus like the hammer loop or, you know, whatever everybody else is doing with their hammers. Trust me, I'm a mechanic by trade. So I just put it in a drawer and then I pull it out and put it on a cart. So it's right. like, I never really had like something to hang it on, but I thought it was pretty cool that it's, it's almost like a sleeve that you put it in. I still can't get over it. So Diamondback has the hammer sleeve. Oh, that's it's like cool. the same thing. 
Yeah, it's way better than having it on the back, whacking you in the leg or on the front, whacking you in the knee. It kind of just goes onto your side and stays out of your way. Yeah. Super easy to grab. Yeah. Yeah. I've been liking those fancy colored, what is it, Martinez hammers that I've been seeing on the grand. I know, dude. They're, they yep. have come. Like, dude, I grew up, my dad like gave me his S-wing hammer. And every time I swing it, the hammer flies out of the grip. But like, I've had it forever. And now these Martinez hammers, the stilettos and everything, they're like, like 400 bucks. Yeah. Well, stilettos aren't that bad. If you get a T-bone, they're kind of expensive. I have an M1 and I have an M4 finish hammer. I use my M1 if I'm like framing, like I'm about to be here in the next week and a half because they're just really nice. But I typically just rock a wood grip stiletto. It's a 14 ounce, but it swings like a 22 and it's light as shit. And it was only like 90 bucks. They're off. Now I'm seeing that they got like some of the higher end, like aluminum hammers have like removable heads and Martinez. Yeah. Yeah. That's, in, that's insane. Yeah. Yeah. So you can take off a Martinez framing head and put on a finish head, or you can even put like an ax head or a sledgehammer. They're expensive, but they're, they are nice hammers. All my hammers are dead blow ball peen hammers and they're all made by snap on. So there's no diversity there. <laughs> My brother-in-law is a carpenter, but he, he helped a buddy out who owns a mechanic shop, like right, right close to me. So he's like part owner. And that's where I bring like my truck for anything. And I'm always like fascinated by the amount of cool ass tools that Raji always has. I'm like, I'm like, how do you get into that spot? He's like, Oh, check this thing out. I'm just like, what dude? Like, he's yeah, got it's so many cool tools. That's an addiction. I caught a meme the other day. That was pretty cool. Is the guy's like, essentially, you know, I have enough tools in my toolbox to get everything I need done every day. But when the snap on tool truck shows up, somehow I'm buying something else. And I, I have no clue how that works, but I need it. I think any person in any trade has a tool addiction. I mean, I have every tool that I could possibly need, but I'm always like, Ooh, I could, I could probably use that, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Always justifying it. <laughs> All right. Well, at this point, you know, I want to wrap this up. It's been good, That's but awesome. we can continue this forever. And I'm sure <laughs> not everybody has the time, but uh, you can take the time to plug anything that you want at this point. You know, obviously your gram handle will tag and plug all that stuff. Right. Right. Else it's important. The life of Bub. The life of Bub. I made that my name because I live in Maine and everybody says Bub. And I'm like, well, this is kind of like my life, uh, life above. And here I am, you know, eight years later after being on Instagram, still my name. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And you're that on TikTok and then all other social platforms. Yeah. TikTok is though it's T-H-A. And then also I just started, I could send you guys the link. I'm trying to get like a YouTube going. I don't want it to be like all the other channels out there though. Like how to, like, I kind of want to make it like entertaining and like, I don't know. The custom build is going to be perfect because I have all of my subs like, and we're going to be there for like months. And I have like some really, really good character, like my sheet rockers of who I'm starting a channel. I already started it. I did an intro video. I'm going to just wing it. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm not freaking RR buildings or any of these other guys that have been doing it for a while, but I'm going to wing it and see what happens. And it's Garrett parentheses, Bob Davis. Ooh, all right. Fancy. All right. We'll we'll tag that. We'll tag that. Remind Jeremy, make sure we don't forget that. Yeah, it's up in the bear trap. <laughs> oh God. <Yep. laughs> awesome. Awesome. This has been great, man. We really, really appreciate you taking the time. Obviously, you got a ton on your plate with this custom build right now. And so every 15 minutes is super valuable. So this has been awesome. To, and definitely appreciate you also opening up the kimono and sharing some of the harder times, which is, you know hopefully it'll help a lot of folks out there that are dealing with the same stuff. And we always say if any of our podcasts help one person, then that's more than we ever expected. So, you know, hopefully that's the case here. Yeah, for sure, man. No, I appreciate you guys having me on and 
I also appreciate, you know, the, we haven't even talked about it, but the Brunt boots, man, I absolutely love them. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Jerry, we got another pair going out there soon. So yeah, they're good, man. Uh, you guys have done good. 